Hello, and welcome to the Pages and Popcorn Podcast. The podcast where we, Jennifer and... Kalia. Two book nerds talk about movies based on books as well as the original source material. Two warnings. This podcast uses barnyard language. Why limit ourselves to only nice words? Some things warrant not-so-nice words. Also, spoiler warning. We will be talking about the endings of both book and movie, so prepare yourself. Okay. Let's get into it. It's the Pages of Popcorns Podcast. Special guest. It's the Pages of Popcorns Podcast. Special guest. gonna talk, so you better damn well listen. Hello, and welcome to the Pages and Popcorn Podcast. Today's episode will feature myself, Kalia, talking with my good friend, Jess Fitzpatrick. Hi, Jess. Hello. Jess and I will be discussing The Danish Girl. The Danish Girl is the 2015 biographical romantic drama film directed by Tom Hopper, which was based on the 2000 novel by the same name, written by David Ebersoff. It was loosely inspired by the lives of Danish painters Lily Elbe and Gerda Wagner. Loosely is the key word in that <laughs> sentence. But we will talk about that. Okay. But before we do, let me just give you a quick reminder that you can find our show notes, information about our episodes, as well as all kinds of other exciting things, including how you can support this podcast by going to kmmamedia.com. All of our episodes are listed there, all 40 of them, and you can check them out, listen to past episodes. You don't have to download or subscribe to anything. Of course, if you want to download and subscribe to things, we are on all of the regular podcast places like Apple Podcasts and Google Play and Stitcher. There's a whole list where you can find us, but you know that because you're obviously already listening, so good for you. We also would like to say that if you want to help us out with this podcast, a rating and review would be much appreciated. Share us with your friends, tell your friends and neighbors that we are awesome and that you learned so much or that you really enjoyed it or that we don't know what we're talking about, whatever. Please share us with the world. And if you want to help us out financially, we have three different levels on our Patreon page, which you can also find at kmmamedia.com. We have the $1 level, the $5 level, and the $10 level. All levels have different awesome little perks, and it's our way of saying thank you for supporting us and the podcast that we do. Anyways, now on with The Danish Girl. I'm going to do some recapping. Here we go. Book recap. We have Einar and Greta. You know, I'm saying Greta, and I just want to make sure, because it's Greta and Gerda and Greta. Yes, it is. In the yeah, book, it's Greta. Yeah. In the movie, it's Gerda. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just say Greta the whole time because that's how my brain works. Okay. okay. <clears throat> Good to know. <laughs> Here in the book, <laughs> we have Einar and Greta. They are a happily married couple. They are artists in Denmark in the 1920s. One day, Greta asks Einar to pose in women's clothing for a portrait that she is painting. Einar is at first hesitant, but then kind of into it, like really, really into it. Once the clothing goes on, Einar pretty much turns into another person a person by the name of Lily, in mannerisms, in movement. This is Lily. This is a game that they play for a bit. Greta's pretty much on board. It's kind of hard to tell if she's a supportive wife of Einar or actually kind of into Lily. 
Either way, she's very encouraging, and Lily starts to appear randomly. Einar sometimes seems to not know who Lily is until after the fact. Oh, was Lily here, he says? Greta has the idea that Lily should go with her to an upcoming ball instead of Einar. Both Einar and Lily are excited about this idea of tricking all of Copenhagen. At the ball, Lily is flirted with and then kissed by a young man. Lily is enthralled and almost runs off into the night with him. This is Heinrich, but is stopped by a nosebleed that may or may not be guilt-induced. More on this later. It's time for a flashback. It turns out that Greta is an heiress from California, Pasadena specifically. Her family is all very rich and very hoity-toity. She was not been in school in Denmark. She'd fallen in love and then pursued Einar, one of her teachers, with no shame until her family had been forced to return to the States because of the ongoing war. Back at home in Pasadena, she had written to Einar but hadn't gotten any encouragement. Missing Denmark something awful and hating her family for its wealth and snobbery, she'd taken up with, pursued, seduced, and married a ceramicist named Teddy. She loved him, but still hated her life, especially after they got married. And then their baby is stillborn. And then, at some point, Greta accidentally, maybe, burns down his studio and his life work. And then after that, he dies, and she returns to Denmark and marries Einar. A bit of Einar's history. Child Einar is presented as, mm, infeminate. Possibly gay? Maybe? maybe enthralled with the feminine side. He's always been ashamed of his feelings, although we're not really sure what those feelings actually are. He had a best friend, and there were some moments where things might have started to go in a romantic between boys sort of way, but something always happened at the last minute. He knows he likes women's clothing, being around women, acting as a woman, and he knows that he's aroused by men's bodies. But as he spends more and more time as Lily, the description becomes more about two separate entities inhabiting one body. Einar thinks of Lily as a person totally outside of himself, and Lily hardly gives Einar any thought at all. After the ball and the blood, Goethe is worried about Einar. But Einar and life pretty much continues. Lily is quasi-dating this other man, Heinrich, and Greta is getting more and more worried, and Greta's feelings are complex. She wants to make her husband happy. She's feeling cut off and distanced. She's very worried about the periodic blood spells. She writes to Hans, that childhood friend of Einar, and arranges a dinner for the three of them. Greta, Hans, and, well, Lily. Everyone gets along swimmingly. Hans has no idea, but the blood is back. Greta finally convinces Einar to go to a doctor, who first gives Einar a very painful x-ray, it is the 20s after all, and then pretty much is like, Einar is crazy and a danger to society. The doctor threatens Einar, and Greta, in a moment of panic and protectiveness, announces that Hans wants them to come live in Paris. This is not actually true. See, Einar has always been a better artist than Greta, and his work sells, unlike hers. In fact, he got her a showing of her art, and the only piece that made any impression on the critics were the ones that she had done of Lily. Now they're in Paris, and Greta is full-on painting Lily over and over and over and over again, and selling these paintings with the help of Hans, who propositions her but accepts her refusal. In order to paint Lily, Greta asks for Lily every day, and Einar goes along with this. Einar spends his morning transforming into Lily into swim with other women. Then as Einar, he goes to seedy places to watch women dance behind glass windows, and then poses for Greta in the afternoons. Einar is very depressed. He vows to himself that he will solve this Einar versus Lily problem within a year, or he will kill himself. One day, Einar decides to watch a young man behind the glass instead of a woman, and then he makes eyes at another voyeur, and then there's almost physical intimate touching between the two men, but they are interrupted. Greta and her twin brother Carlyle, who's found out about Lily and is with them now in Paris, try more doctors. One thinks Einar is just a pure homosexual and just needs to ignore his feelings. Einar is adamant that this is not the case. He's back to his two people, one body hypothesis. Another doctor says that Einar is a schizophrenic. 
Einar knows that that isn't true either. He's doing his own research. He is bound and determined to find a better solution. Carlisle takes Einar to another doctor. This guy wants to do a lobotomy, but Greta has found a doctor herself. This doctor wants to do a sex change operation to let Lily be Lily forever. This doctor is in Dresden. Greta hesitates. She's overcome with thoughts about how her first husband, Teddy, remember Teddy? Had died of tuberculosis and he had refused treatment for too long. At the end of his life, he begged for Greta to help him end it, which she didn't. Regardless, Einar must choose between lobotomy and gender reassignment surgery. So off Einar goes to Dresden. He wants to do this all alone. Back home, Greta and Hans admit their feelings to one another. Hans knows that Einar is Lily and Lily is Einar. And then Einar has surgery and becomes Lily fully. And Greta comes to help nurse her back to health while Lily is staying in the women's clinic. Turns out that the doctor found an underdeveloped set of ovaries in Einar during surgery. This has given him the idea to grab healthy ovary tissues on top of them inside of Lily to help complete the transformation. This will be operation number two. Honestly, the narrative moves around in time a bit here, so it was a little confusing. But Lily yeah. is recovering very slowly, and it might be from the second surgery. I'm not exactly sure. She is in a lot of pain, but she's very eager to leave the clinic and return to normal life. The doctor wants to do yet another surgery. Greta doesn't think that Lily is strong enough for another one. Lily wants it done. But they return to Copenhagen. Lily lives fully as Lily. Greta is granted a divorce, but the two live together. Greta paints Lily, but the paintings are off and not as good. And Lily starts to see Heinrich again and falls in love. He loves her back and knows everything and wants to marry her. She tells him yes, but first she must tell Greta about their secret love and she must go to Dresden for the final surgery. She agrees to meet Heinrich in New York at the end of the summer, become his wife and start their lives together. She's nervous about telling Greta. She thinks Greta will try to stop her, but Hans intervenes. Has Greta ever tried to stop you? Well, no. So finally she tells the truth. Greta is upset, not overly about Heinrich, which she had sort of figured out, but that Lily wants another surgery. This last one will be to implant a uterus so that Lily can have children. Greta is very wary of this promise and thinks that it's a bad idea, but Lily is determined. So Lily goes to Dresden for this final surgery and Greta goes home to California with Hans, who she will marry. Carlisle goes with Lily to be her moral support. Lily gets an infection after the surgery. The transplant doesn't take. Carlisle and her friend Anna are with her and they try to make her comfortable, but she is in a lot of pain. One day they take her out and about and for a moment she's left alone surveying the city and then like the kite nearby that floats away on the breeze, so does Lily's soul. She dies in her chair, a victim of her time. Mm. Okay, so that came out in the year 2000 and then they made a movie and it took a long time to make the movie happen, but eventually yes. they made this movie. <laughs> Here we go. 15 years 15 years to make this movie and i okay so many thoughts about that but okay <laughs> so in 2015 this movie the danish girl came here we are einer and Greta, who i'm going to accidentally call greta i just know it are a happily married <laughs> couple they're both artists he's more successful they both are very loving to one another she does portraits he does bogs and landscapes she's a little bit jealous he's trying to be helpful it isn't received well they're trying to get pregnant by the way like the book, Rushed for Time one day, she asks him to model for her and he does. He is resistant to putting on the dress and starts to be moved by the point of view of his leg in the stocking and we are shown a lot of very sensual close-ups of the fabric. Olna, a friend, arrives and names Einar Lily. Again, they seem very much in love, but has something been awakened in Einar or... At a cocktail party, we are given the story of how they met. She flashed her ankles at him and he blushed. She asked him out. Greta is the assertive one in this relationship, the sure one. She kissed him. She says it was like kissing herself. 
No one seems to find that strange except for me. Later, as they prepare for... Later, as they prepare for bed, Goethe finds that Einar is wearing a camisole under his clothes. Goethe seems to be turned on by this. Afterwards, she can't sleep, and so she sketches him. Her pictures are deemed good by Einar. The subject of the artist ball has come up. Einar doesn't like to attend. He feels that he is playing a part. Goethe says he should go as someone else. Lily. It takes very little convincing for Einar to agree. Q. Transformation montage. Einar is naturally good on putting on makeup. There's more sketching, Einar primps, there's much flirting, there's giggling, there's kissing. Gerda teaches Einar how to walk and act like a woman. There's a fair bit of stereotyping. Then there's a wig, there's more kissing, there are heels and dresses and practice walking in heels. And it all feels like a lark, a silly game, until it doesn't. Dressed as Lily, Einar attends the ball. Am I pretty enough? She asks. I'll never be as pretty as you. Gerda shows her that, yes, you are beautiful. You won't leave me. Gerda responds, no, no, never. Lily is noticed by the menfolk, and then she sends Gerda away to chat with others. Alone, Lily is flirted with by a young man. Uncomfortable, she flees and is pursued. This young man is very persistent, and this is Heinrich. They talk about Einar. Heinrich calls himself a romantic, and he says he prefers the shadows. He takes her hand. You're not like other girls. I might have to actually ask permission before I kiss you. Ugh. Anyways, there's lots of hand-holding. Then he offers to walk her home. She blames Einar for her refusal. Heinrich goes in for the kiss anyway, and then there is kissing. Gerda sees, then there's more kissing, and then there's a nosebleed. The next day, Einar starts talking about Lily as a separate being, as if he wasn't involved at all. Gerda says, no more Lily. She calls Einar out for the kissing. He says Heinrich might have known the truth, and it was sometimes Einar, sometimes Lily. The game is no longer a game. Einar says, something has changed. Gerda is not at all on board with Lily. Time passes and Einar is having headaches. There's distance in the marriage. Einar runs away one day and finds a full-length mirror. There are some very close body close-up shots and some obvious body dysmorphia and a penis is tucked. Einar, in front of the mirror, touches fabric and seems to daydream about being someone else. At home, Greta decides to paint Lily. And then Lily and Heinrich are having a date. Greta knows something is up. She's vulnerable when Einar comes home. He comforts her, but nearby the painting of Lily, as a nude, rests watching. The art dealer from before knows that these nudes are of Lily will definitely sell. So Lily and Heinrich continue their dating. Heinrich says they should tell Greta. Lily says no. Heinrich is horny. And during a makeout session, he calls Lily Einar. He knows. And he does not care. Lily, though, is horrified and runs away. Gerda comes home to find Lily there, and she's rightfully upset until she sees that Lily is upset, and then she gets protective. Lily comes clean about seeing Heinrich. Gerda cries in shock and betrayal, and it's rather heartbreaking. Einar emerges to play the, well, didn't you know game? But Gerda won't let him off the hook. Einar says he loves her, only her. It's Lily. Lily loves Heinrich, not him. He loves Gerda. Gerda's unimpressed. She makes him admit to the infidelity. He also admits that Lily was once with a boy named Hans years ago because there had been a kiss. The pronouns shift. Her, their, his, my. Then Einar gets sick again. The doctor calls out the bleeding, the monthly cramps. He knows about the dressing as a woman. The doctor says that it's a chemical imbalance. This can be cured with lots of radiation via an x-ray. Einar says there's nothing wrong with him. Gerda and the doctor disagree, and the x-ray happens. It's painful, but upon recovery, Einar still clings to Lily as a persona. The doctor says Einar is insane. Greta is hor horrified. The doctor says that Einar is perverted, must be institutionalized. Greta, by the way, is being wooed by art dealers in Paris. Her paintings of Lily are very, very popular, so it seems like a good time to up and leave. Together, they will run away to Paris. Greta is a huge success in Paris. Now it's Einar's turn to be the less successful one. They tell everyone that the model stayed in Denmark. 
Without Lily, Gerda is happy and they're back to the kissing and being in love, but no, no, Einar can't. The distance in the marriage is getting bigger. Einar can't paint. Instead, he has a secret life watching peep shows and mimicking the entertainers for sexual gratification. Greta goes to see Hans. You are a friend of my husband, she jumps right in. You kissed him once. He admits it. We were little boys playing around. But she's asking for help. She wants Hans to represent Einar as an artist and says that Einar needs a friend. Hans agrees. So it's dinner with Hans and Gerda, because Einar's a no-show. Eventually, they go back to the apartment, and there is Lily, waiting. Gerda is upset, but plays it off. And Hans is perplexed, so sorry that Einar can't be here. And Lily is flirting with Hans, and it's awkward as fuck. And Lily is, well, Lily is a lot in this scene. After Hans leaves, Gerda tries to be like, yo, I thought we had an agreement. But Lily is like, I'm Lily, no matter what I wear or what I do. Everyone is sad. Everyone is resigned. So... Lily is back and she has money and time to sit for Gerda, who's trying. She's trying so hard to be okay. At her next show, more pictures of Lily. Hans is there, hitting on Gerda, but mildly and carefully. She rebuffs him. She is still Einar's wife, after all. She wishes she could be with him. It's pretty obvious. Gerda is sad and it's understandable. At home, Lily tries to comfort her, but Gerda is lonely. She misses Einar. Lily is very clear. Einar is gone. Gerda lashes out, understandably a bit. Not everything is about you. She says she needs Einar. She needs her husband. Lily says no. So Gerda goes to Hans for comfort and kissing. But it's too much, and so she runs away. Einar tries to return for Gerda's sake and is sorry that he can't give her what she wants. It has to end. Their opera singer friend gives them a name of a doctor in Dresden who takes care of men like Einar, men who are confused. Lily is back. Lily wants to find an answer. Lily loves Gerda but can't be with her. Lily is studying in the library all about sex and gender. Lily, or is it Einar, is in a suit and is harassed by men in the street. Einar throws the first punch, but then the two beat him up. Bloodied, he goes to Hans for help. Hans wants to help, wants to understand, but he can't, not really. He pushes for a doctor, a better doctor. Enter the guy who wants to lobotomize Einar. And then the guy who says that he's just a homosexual. And the guy who thinks he's a schizophrenic. Greta assures him that he's not insane. She has guilt. He assures her that she did not just bring Lily to life. Lily was always there. Lily is making Einar ill. Einar is all but given up hope. Gerda has one more doctor to try. Note here that the dress and mannerisms are both Einar and Lily. It's a little confusing. Anyway, they tell this new doctor that Einar is a woman on the inside. The doctor agrees with them. He pitches two surgeries to remove the male parts and then to insert a vagina. Gerda thinks it's dangerous, but Einar Lily thinks it's their only hope. He won't be your husband when I'm done. Einar Lily is okay with that. Gerda is sad again. Off to Dresden for Einar. He won't let Gerda go with him. You love Einar, he says. I have to let him go. They kiss goodbye. Gerda is sad again. Lily is in Dresden at the women's clinic. She's told she must wait a week to gain some weight. There's some delusion about whether or not she'll be able to have children after the surgery. And then the surgery has happened and Lily's in a lot of pain and Gerda's come to help. And they return to Denmark as Lily and Gerda. Lily gets a job at a department store. She's passing. She seems happy. Gerda, though, not so happy. She misses Einar. She misses being married. She misses being connected to another person. Lily sees Heinrich and they reconnect. Lily tells him that God had made me a woman, but the doctor is curing me of the sickness that was my disguise. Lily tells Gerda that she wants to be a woman, not a painter, which is kind of a cheap low blow to Gerda, who is, you know, both. Both. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Gerda is worried about Lily and the amount of pills that she's taking. Lily is snappish. Einar is dead. You took care of me, but now I have to do my own thing. Gerda sees Lily with Heinrich, and she is hurt, of course. But Lily says that Heinrich is himself a homosexual, so there's nothing between them. Lily just needed a friend. 
This really hurts Gerda's feelings. Also, Lily wants to go back to Dresden for the second surgery. Gerda thinks that it's too soon. Lily is still too weak, but Lily is adamant. Gerda says she won't go. I won't help you hurt yourself. Lily asks her to come twice, but Gerda says no. In Dresden, the doctor warns Lily that this one will be harder, more risky, more delusion about having a child, quote, like a real woman, when it's all done. Gerda is there after all. She is still worried. Lily is optimistic. They say goodnight. Lily weeps. Is she afraid and pain? It's rather hard to tell. Hans has also come to be with Gerda. He reassures her. It's surgery time, and then it's after the surgery, and it did not go well. There was lots of blood loss. There's a fever. The prognosis is not good. Lily is dying, but she is happy to be fully herself, and she asks to be taken outside to the garden. Gerda and Hans agree. Gerda and Lily have a tender moment, and then Lily dies. Gerda and Hans travel to the bog area that Einar pinted so often. They say their goodbyes to Lily's spirit. There's an end credit title card pointing the audience to Lily's diary, Man and to Women, which was published in 1933 after her death. The end. <laughs> this is like the best. <sighs> Where do we even begin with okay. this? <laughs> Oh, okay, here, here's the first thing. Had you heard about this? When did you hear about this? First time I ever heard of the Danish girl or uh, Lily Elba was 2015 when the Danish girl came out. Naturally, there was a lot of uh, excitement around it. Being in the transgender community, we were seeing uh, Hollywood trying to give some light to our community and to our experiences. So, you know, there was a lot of uh, enthusiasm when it first came out. But when we read this book and watching the movie again, I, oh, I, sorry, I had gonna, so many problems. I'm going <laughs> to interrupt real fast. Did you read the book at, before this podcast did you read absolutely. it absolutely i i read i mean i read it in preparation for this podcast right no no but i mean had you read it before oh no no no, no. no. okay okay uh, i didn't even know there was a book uh, until you're like hey let's do this and i'm like oh okay so uh and of course i was telling you too that i was listening through it via audible which was an experience was it, was it yeah. a male or female reader it was uh it was a male reader but it was with an effeminate tone to their voice, to their treble. So that was an interesting experience reading it. But also, Choice. you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I gotta say though, rewatching the movie, reading this book, and also knowing a little bit about the history of the like the time period that you know all this was going on, I was disappointed. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna lie. I. Yes. <laughs> okay. So here's, here's how I came to it. I remember seeing the Danish girl on a marquee and I guess it was in 2015, although in my head, it feels like so much longer ago than that. So mm. I don't, I don't even know what that's all about, but well, um, 2020 has been about 300 <laughs> three years. years. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I think what it was is that I saw them it on a marquee in Santa Cruz when visiting Santa Cruz, but because in my head, it's in a Santa Cruz marquee. And I lived in Santa Cruz in the early two thousands in my head. I was like, that movie came out in the early two thousands, oh, okay. you know? <laughs> um, so I was like, it's an older movie older, you know, relatively speaking. 
I don't know when I found out that it was based on a book. At some point though, because I've had the book around for a really long time. And so while I was organizing my books, I think a couple of years ago, I was like, oh yeah, I've never got around to seeing this movie or reading this book. But I had the book because I have another book by the same author called The 19th Wife. And I really liked The 19th Wife. I was like, this is a really interesting book. I read it for a book club years and years and years ago, actually also while living in Santa Cruz. And I just found it very interesting. So I was like, oh, okay. So I'm, you know, this is probably also a good book. I was wrong. Sorry to skip ahead. But anyways, I think that there's, there's like two huge elephants in the room. Okay. The first being that there's fiction, there's historical fiction. And then there's nonfiction. And I feel like sometimes people don't understand that those are different things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, very And true. in the same way that like when, when I talked with Jennifer about the Da Vinci Code, when you present something and you're like, this is a book. And yeah, it's a novel, but all the stuff in it is real. Then people go, ooh, all the stuff in here is real. But I'm sorry, this book is not real. Like, no. It's just not. And it is so not real that it's offensive to me as a person. Like, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. It's one thing to be like, we don't know exactly all the details of the situation, but we're going to, I'm going to write a book about the Spanish American war. And I know that like haciendas happened here and this battle happened here. And so I'm going to create a, a pretend character who's going to live through this battle and who's going to have like, da, 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 da. like, okay, that makes sense. But when you start writing fucking fan fiction about real ass people, and then you like create completely new backstories for them to make them more sympathetic. Mm. What? Mm. Why? Mm. I feel like, why did he write this book? That's a great question. And maybe that's something I should have done is like look up and going like, who wrote this book? A um, gay dude who's not trans. Cool, 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 great. Um, that's yeah. a great, great start. Um, and, I'm, and I'm not saying that you can only write your own experience. I'm super not saying that, right? No. Because like, fiction is fiction. Right. So but, right. but then you're writing fiction. You're not presenting it as fact. And and I'm sorry, but like Einar is not the main character of this book. So you pitch the book about yeah. it being about a trans person's experience. And then you never get into Einar's head. We don't understand what the fuck is happening, except for this this idea about split personality. So there's there's a mental oh, yeah. illness component. And then and then apparently there's ovaries. So Einar was actually intersex, but we're not going to. And I understand for the time of Einar time maybe we didn't have the phrasing intersex and right. you know okay but you know what we had in the year 2000 when freaking david wrote this we had the word <laughs> yes absolutely and in 2015 we had all the words like just... <laughs> and honestly i feel like the movie did an even i i think a worse job at you know taking this book that is based on somebody's life and their experience. And it's essentially, like you said, it's, it is completely fiction except for the names and the place basically. And, but the, the movie I feel just took, uh, I think uh, an even more warped perception of what trans being a trans person is and that experience and threw out a whole lot of really bad old science about transgender people and like nope this is this is it this is historical this is historically accurate you can say 
Okay, because Einar, Lily, Lily has journals that, by the way, you can't even get. They're out of print right now. I tried to get them. You can, they're very expensive and they're out oh, of print. And it's that not would be a thing. Amazing. But that's the, I mean, that frustrates me. So Lily's words exist. We can't read them. Mm. What we get instead is this guy's <laughs> interpretation, kind of, of her words, which is, first of all, mansplaining to the nth degree, I feel like, but also very frustrating. So it would be one thing if we were reading Lily's words and in her time period, she was like, this is this, this is this. And you're like, wow, God, Lily, that sucks for that time period. But you had the words that you had in your time. We now know right. better now. But to write this book in 2000 and then to make the movie in 2015 and not update or acknowledge or be at least it doesn't even feel like aware of these issues. Mm -hmm. Is I feel like I feel I'm not part of the trans community, but I feel like it's a huge disservice to the trans community. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you're you're <laughs> well. You're not in confliction with me. No, there is there is no problem uh, because I I agree absolutely that even worse is like there's fucking Wikipedia. Like <laughs> the producers, the the writers could have gone and learned about these people and the life that they lived and had gotten a better understanding and synopsis than they would have gotten from this fictional book. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I am extremely disappointed in that. And of course, of course, the new controversy being about how Lily is being represented by a cisgender white guy in the, in the film uh, instead of a trans person. So it's Eddie Redmayne who... <laughs> <laughs> the movie he made right before this one was when he was Stephen Hawking's. <laughs> oh, that's right. And there was backlash. Like, uh, maybe, maybe we shouldn't have able-bodied people play disabled people. And then the very next thing he did <laughs> was the <laughs> Danish girl. And you're yeah. like, wow, dude, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. But then, like, then he he was Newt. Scarmander in that Fantastic Beasts, whatever, and you know, uh, JK Rowling trash fire, yes, but yes, but Newt is like an amazing male, non toxic male. And I feel like that was a good movie that needed to be made to show us that men aren't all trash, right? Like, there are good men out there, and you can be masculine without being macho. And so, there was some good messages there. So, I feel like Eddie Redmayne made some very interesting actorial decisions, yes. And again, yes. I was like, oh, well, yeah, it started dude as a, as a trans person that's very not in vogue now. And I'm sure if this movie was made recently, oh, wait, it was 2015? Yeah, what yeah. <laughs> again. Yeah. I mean, a huge difference, too, from like Boys Don't Cry, which, you know, was absolutely cutting edge of telling a I think really as, as close to a trans person's experience that you can get away with in Hollywood at that time, um, as tragic as it was, I, I still can't watch it because of how painful it is to watch it because of my own lived experience. But when I look at the Danish girl and I read the Danish girl, I, I see a very poor understanding. I see a whole lot of straight people telling a queer story that but centering yeah. themselves because in the book, 
Gerda is not just the main character, even more than Einar. We get way more in her head. We get yeah. her way more in her backstory. We get way more of understanding her. We get so much more of her, which again is fine if you weren't basing it on these real people and then pitching it as, this is a book about the first person that blow because it's not, it's not. It's about Gerda. So just write a different book, first of all. Okay, The fine. Danish girl's girlfriend. The, uh, yes. <laughs> and then in the movie- she is, Gerda's the Danish girl. Like they even say, there's some Danish girl here to see me. That wasn't Lily. It was freaking Gerda or Greta, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Like it, that was, so in both, she is the centerpiece and the trans person's experience is like the thing that's affecting her. And it's like, yeah. well, again, then don't base this on real people. Like, why would you mm. do that? It's it's like this weird centering thing that is not appropriate. Yeah, well- The tagline I, of it being like, this is a romance. This is about true love. And I'm like- Which- Who's holy, love? Like, yeah. what, what is the lesson here? Because either you're Gerda who gives up everything for the person that you love, even the person that you love. Okay, that's very tragic, but- depending on if you're talking about the book where she was like super gung-ho until she suddenly wasn't at the very end or mm. the movie where she was a lot more believable in that she thought it was a funny like a fun little lark and then when it started to get real she started pulling back way earlier like wait yeah. hold on this is not what i signed on for but either way that's not a marriage story this is this is a story about a relationship ending i oh yeah yeah Definitely. There is no love. I mean, there is a lot of pain. There's turmoil. There's struggle in both of the fictionalized stories. And yeah. And the problem too is I don't have a lot of sympathy for Lily outside of what is supposed to be their uh, attempting to come to terms with their real, their authentic identity. They're kind of, they're kind of an asshole. Like serious, like the whole, oh, it wasn't me. It was the other person inhabiting the same body and same mind. Yeah. Which is such a lousy cheater excuse, you know? (laughs) So it's like, it, it doesn't really build up a lot of confidence or desire to feel sympathy for this character in the movie lots of problems with that lily's the villain i mean there's no other way to put it lily's the villain and it and the movie can't decide if it's like going to accept that and just like lean into it how many times did i say gerda is sad because literally gerda is sad the entire movie practically (laughs) but at the same time we have like these we have there's there was one thing that was in the movie and i understand it wasn't in the book because i don't think david would have realized that he should have put it in but there is that moment with the with the mirror where there's actual body dysmorphia and you can see that was like the best Einar Lily moment in the entire film for me personally was watching the mirror and like the tuck and then standing and looking and like the sadness that was there was what yeah. it felt real like that was the only because all the rest of the time when Lily was being Lily Lily was being a bitch like <laughs> dressing up as lily and like waiting yeah. for them to come back and then being like ha, 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 and like oh oh girl yeah and every time she got <laughs> called on it she got sick or she was too sad to talk about it yeah lots and, of manipulation in there and what did I, I say about the trans community we're gonna be like here's a great movie for trans people the trans person in this movie is shit <laughs> yeah aren't you yeah. happy you are represented now in media <laughs> I mean, on the plus side, like, you know, we're not murdering anyone. So, (laughs) 
uh, Lily did not go on a psychopathic rampage and start skinning people. Uh, that so, is like, true. That is so, true. Yeah. You know, so okay. in, progress. If, if you want to see that as progress, um, uh, unfortunately, she still <sighs> dies at the end. Of course, uh, she does. And I really, you know, being a stickler for detail, I was like, when I was like, oh yeah, we're going to put in a vagina, and and, and uh, you know, content warning, talking about body parts and stuff. I'm like, I don't think the technology was <laughs> that far advanced. They could just put pop that right pop, in there. Pop it and, in there. Uh, and so I I did a little research on that end. And one, it was really cool that for the first of four surgeries, four surgeries, she was overseen by Magnus Hirschfeld. And he was a very prominent gay rights activist in Germany who started the Sex Institute. Huh. Um, in Germany. And uh, in 1933, he was basically exiled from Germany, and his institute was essentially razed to the ground by the Nazis. So I thought that was a, an amazing part of, of Lily's story, you know, that we could talk about. We could, they were doing amazing things mm -hmm. in Germany and Denmark in getting uh, civil rights for LGB and doing research on the T, the transgender community, and doing these amazing surgeries. But again, yeah, it was a long process. Yeah. And, and the thing too about, okay, we're going to implant an ovary. Okay. And then we're going to implant a uterus. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That, okay. And then, so you'll be a real woman. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> genitalia, internal or external. Yes. Anatomy does not make you. Okay. I think we agree on that. And I know Absolutely. most of our listeners do too, because they're awesome. But I will also say having a child does not make you a real woman. <laughs> that mm -hmm. also is a is a stickler for me. So yes, problematic in to be sure. And and just the delusion of it. It did say in the book more, and I, I it kind of glossed in the movie, like Lily would just kind of tune them out when they started talking about the surgeries and like what was like what was literally going to happen to the body. She just couldn't or didn't want to or would just be like, oh no, 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 let let it happen, but I don't want to know about it. And I'm thinking this would this is a missed opportunity because either that is severe body dysmorphia where you're like no 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 yeah. it's it's not even mine i it's like a completely different thing it doesn't affect me like that separation from reality like it's it's you're you inhabit this space so whether or not it's the proper space for you you acknowledging that it exists is like kind of important right but if yeah. you're going to you know make that about a me the mental block of it but it wasn't seen as the mental block. It was just like she was just too busy to or bored to know about the details of literally what was happening surgically to her own body. And I just I found that yeah. highly unbelievable that yeah. she would be so removed from that. Again, the book made it seem very much like a mental thing as opposed to it. And then there was like the thing, like I said already, like there was the ovaries inside. So then that seems like it gets the blame of it. Oh, no wonder Einar was like this. There were ovaries in there. Uh, which, yeah, exactly, is a lot of the book and even more so in the movie, there is a lot of really bad and ancient theories around what the experience of being a transgender person is like, uh, especially trans women or trans feminine people. And 
I think the movie really exploited that. This whole idea of being aroused and turned on by dressing as a woman, which which unfortunately is something that is still, you know, highly repeated in, you know, anti-trans circles. It's like, no, this is really a man who's just getting off on putting on stockings and lipstick and stuff like that, but they aren't really a woman. And you talk to any actual trans person, and while maybe initial, you know, putting on the clothes and makeup and stuff is exciting because it is taboo, especially growing up in our culture today, where hyper-masculinity, like anything approaching the feminine means you are a lesser human being, right? Mm-hmm. But once they start getting adjusted to that, it's, it's, not, it's not a sexual thrill. Well, there's it's- a difference between gratification and sexual gratification. And I know that we're going to, in the show notes, put the transgender umbrella and what yes. it encompasses. And the the words change as our understandings change because language evolves and acceptance evolves and et cetera. And I remember when I was first learning about the whole transgender umbrella and the whole scope of it, there was um, a subset for people who were purely sexually gratified by wearing the clothing of the other gender. Like that was like its own little subset. It's very complicated and yes. we will, we will put all the resources in the show notes. That's But, very but arguably you, um, some people would say that, you know, that's not really even transgender because- that's More fetish and fetish. Yeah. It's like what you want, the position you want to have in sex does not determine your sexual orientation. It's like the, oh God, now I'm I'm, I'm stepping into the wrong words, but yeah. What I I do hear what you're trying to say. And, and it's like, yes, for particularly, you know, when we were starting to understand transgender, transsexual people, I, I think particularly we have our, a lot of our vocabulary in popular culture stuck in the seventies. And so the transvestite, right? Like Rocky yes. Horror, right? Mm-hmm. So the person that gets their kicks dressing in the opposite clothing and also, you know, basically quote unquote, pretending to be a woman. And that's where this movie and this book, honestly, that's where I see the the lens coming from. Like the person writing about this person and the people producing this movie don't believe Lily is a woman. And if you actually take half a second to look into the life of this actual artist and actual woman who went through historic surgeries through you know the greatest minds uh in the field in the 30s she clearly was a woman mm-hmm. um and she was going through the motions to to make that her reality so i mean it's but it's what the so- book and the movie both do is they they both rely on the superficial and i felt this really strong when it was all about the clothing yes. you put on a dress and then suddenly you're a woman Lily, you put on a dress, you practice walking. Now the book, she never had to practice. She just seemed to naturally know how to walk in heels and (laughs) move her body um, as a woman. Because apparently we all, we we women, I don't know if you know this, Jess. We have a very specific way of walking and pointing at things. See, if we, if you, if you don't point like this, then everyone will know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways. So like, but like this, it was very performative. And it didn't get into the interior aspect. Again, in the book, we got the interior part of the wife, 
but Gerda, we didn't yeah. get the interior part of Einar or Lily. And in the movie, the only time we got an interior was one scene in front yeah. of a mirror, which both was really moving, but also like, oh, this is the scene where the actor guy is going to shove his dick in his, you know, like, like this is not, yep. do you know what I mean? It was, yeah. uh, and yeah. knowing that that part wasn't in the book, you're like, oh, they added this in to be edgy like so that we have nudity so that we can get our r rating because otherwise i mean i just yeah okay i mean and then and that's the thing is like you know again it's the sexualization of exactly. the experience of coming to your authentic self uh you know hollywood absolutely exploited in this film by making them more loving too because in the book it was mm. very clear that like they had kind of a cold marriage. Gerda had chased Einar. Gerda had, you know, da 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 Gerda, 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 of course. Like, Einar wasn't super into sex, like, at all. And, like, she kind of had to chase him around the bedroom a little bit to get him to do anything. And for some reason, that didn't bother her. I, I Gerda's yeah. got her own issues. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and, and neither the book nor the movie make a note that Gerda, like, the, the real Gerda, Greta, Greta, painted lesbians like painted pictures of nude women with women and so you're kind of like well maybe there's a reason why she didn't really need to chase Einar around the bedroom too much maybe there's a reason that she was like hey kind of into it at first I I don't know because the book yeah. didn't give us like in the movie she gets really turned on but that's also she's completely naked in that scene right she is completely yeah. naked which yeah. doesn't seem quite accurate either well he you know and then she gets really turned on by finding the female clothing. But then when they get into their actual sexual position, it's the same position that they're in earlier. It's very missionary. Mm. It's unsettling. Yep. Yes. Like, but, but they went out of their way in the movie to make them seem very loving. We're going to start a family. We love each other. We're kissing all the time. We've got our little in-jokes to make the betrayal because it was pitched as a betrayal in the movie yeah. so much worse in the book they weren't lovey-dovey they were just kind of there they were like roommates already and then it wasn't a betrayal as much and Gerda was like fine up until the end and then really her only thing was that she thought that this was dangerous and that Lily was going too fast and that's why she went off to Pasadena and got married to Hans which also okay Pasadena is not even a real thing. I mean, Pasadena is a real place. Sorry, all, all the two of you who live in Pasadena who are listening. But like, Gerda was a real person who was not from Pasadena. She was Danish. So like, again, yeah. this author spent a good third of this book is just a backstory of a real person, but a completely made up. Uh, I know I'm repeating myself. So maybe we should be talking even less about like the whole like of, of Lily, because it's really, it is Gerda's book mm -hmm. um, and it's Gerda's story. And, and she's framed as, you know, the, the, the one who, like you said, is the victim mm -hmm. of this kind of, again, it's a cheater, a person who um, is, honestly framed in the movie as taking advantage of the situation instead of like communicating and 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 being more open about what their desires are yeah maybe we yeah. should be talking more about gerda, gerda. Well, <laughs> one thing i mean okay so i feel like they were trying to do two separate things i don't know what the fuck the book was trying to do i don't even think the author knew is this a love story is this a historical thing is this education whatever i don't yeah. know and yeah. it just it gets lost in its own 
fart smell. So fine. Yeah. <laughs> the movie, thankfully, for, for everything else we can say about it, and obviously we've said a lot already and we'll say more, but it, it stripped that down. There was no twin brother. There was no Pasadena backstory. There was right. no ex-husband who had died of tuberculosis. There was no stillborn baby. So it's like, okay, how in the world is this movie based on this book that is based on kind of sort of some real people closer to the real people than the book it was based on? You know what I mean? Mm. It was like almost as if you could say, you know what, producers of this movie, you should just ignore the book. And just make the movie based on the people, like cut out the mm. middle book part. Obviously, then we wouldn't be doing it on this podcast. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, then yeah, maybe that that was the yeah. whole reason here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm going to also... center it on me as a non-trans person. <laughs> this is all about me, Jess. Of, of course, okay, Gerda. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, it made me kind of think too. You know, in the movie, since because they start off with this a affectionate loving relationship and then it switches because oh my gosh suddenly lily has is starting to uh recognize like oh i like these clothes i like how they feel on me i like how i look as a woman and it's and it almost feels like oh no it's not really something that they were struggling with or or had that in them but rather it was a a flip of a switch because they suddenly started dressing this one time. That's yeah. all it takes. That's why you better not let your little boys ever put on the color pink because they will be gay like that. Or that, dresses. That is, don't let them walk nail in polish. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Man. That's how it happens. A switch gets clipped. No, but you're exactly right. Lily is very vain in the movie she it's mm. it's all about the primping and the and the holding things and the way she look and like there's a lot of like looking at her own reflection yeah and well to uh, to give a little credence to that like uh, so i watched the youtuber uh contrapoints who is a trans woman and she talks about the focus on you know some uh trans femme people in their appearance and Part of it is because you are going for the culturally accepted beauty of what makes a woman. And when you are uh, transitioning, you, especially early on in your transition, when you um, are, are trying to come to terms with how you want to present and, and how you want to look, um, it's very easy to pick up those hyper feminine or masculine materials and and apply them to yourself, right? As sort of a, a a quick, fast mask, and and to also try to you know just get a better sense of yourself. So there is a lot of that because you are, and and I would even argue with you know people who are uh, assigned female at birth who accept uh, that as their gender identity, and then they are raised in the female culture in America. The intensity of your appearance is a part of like every conversation that you have like from the time you're eight years old so i think in that regard when it comes to lily focusing in on her appearance and and being in awe of that not turned on by it, but in awe that's a recognition moment in a lot of trans folk stories too i just wish there had been more than just that because it really yeah. felt like that was the only thing for Lily like sure in the book at least we had a thing about 
when I was a child, once I put on my grandmother's apron and wanted to pretend to be my grandmother so that I could have a husband and a family, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I didn't want to do these boy things. I wanted to do these girl things, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But like, yeah. there was like, it was built in literally in the movie. It was like these magic stockings. Yes. And, like, the and magic the, stockings. <laughs> and the way that Einar touches them, it's as if he'd never touched stockings before. Right? right. Like, and I was, I mean, I know that there's stuff you probably weren't washing your wife's clothing because, you know, patriarchy and she probably had to wash your stuff, but you've never, you're an artist. Like you've <laughs> never, you have a friend in the opera who doesn't care if you come and hang out while she's changing. You've never yeah. touched fabric. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Especially as a married person, right? Like, you I, know, like, and artists too, in that time period, much more, a little more free than your, you know, just coming out of Victorian era. And, you know, also the flat, it was, you know, the flapper age too. Mm -hmm. So like a, a lot of that, you know, expression and sensuality was very much a part of the culture. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I will also, I did want to kind of give just one prop uh, to the movie, which was, and, and the book in which, you know, the whole going through the the endless stream of doctors mm. um, that are diagnosing you wrong and also calling you a pervert and uh, essentially trying to either put you away or wiggle your brain around a little bit so you don't think those thoughts anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that was, that was very real. And arguably, I think if it was anywhere but where they were in in Europe at that time they probably would have been very quickly arrested or probably murdered i'm i mean just just to be honest but mm -hmm. because they were in germany and denmark which had these thriving gay scenes you know it, and the institute was there and civil rights was an actual thing being fought for these communities our communities that gave them the ability Lily the ability to mm -hmm. finally find a doctor that was like you're not crazy you're not insane and we we can help you except that in except. both cases it's freaking Gerda who finds the doctor <laughs> yes yes <laughs> because yes. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the straight savior complex here right I'll fix you I will find the doctor and, and okay well, and arguably, she's probably looking for a doctor to quote unquote fix, fix. her husband. Yeah, I mean, okay. rather than Lily. Yeah. Right, but but your your point is well made that the the scenes in the in both because they both had it the book and the movie where they're like doctor after doctor and like the the litany and I'm really glad that the movie kept all of it. Okay, lobotomize, yeah. X-ray. No, you're just homosexual. You'll have to deny this feelings. Blah blah. You know what I mean? Like we're gonna schizophrenia, all the things. I. It's going to sound like a weird thing. I liked that. No, obviously I don't <laughs> like that. But like, I appreciate that that was there because that is still very much a thing today where people go and they're like, hey, blah, blah, blah. And doctors are like, oh, no, no, no. We all know the jokes about like going into the doctor, the cartoon, right? Of the person going in with like a fucking thing impaling and they're like, help doctor. And the doctor's like, hmm, maybe you should lose some weight. And I know, yes, that, yes. no, no, no. Maybe you should take the fucking stick out of me. I know <laughs> that it's even worse. You make an excellent point. Um, I've, I've heard it called the broken arm syndrome uh, where doctor, my arm is broken. Oh, it must be those hormones that you're on. <laughs> if, if you just go off your horn, maybe it's your hormones messing up with you. That's why your arm's broken. And, and yeah, that's actually, I've had an experience where I went in to get blood pressure medicine. 
And just the doctor knowing that I was trans had him tripping all over himself. And like, he's just like, well, sorry, I don't, I don't know how to, how to work (laughs) with you. And I'm like, I need blood pressure medicine. Like what, you know, like where, where's the discrepancy I'm sorry, here? You're a trans person. Wait, so are you still a person? Person? I, person? Per- yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. I got, I got stuck on the trans part. I don't know. Tra- the, person. I don't know how all these hormones, which actually naturally occur in my body, um, are going to affect your blood pressure medicine. Like, it's like, yeah. So it is a very serious issue and something that unfortunately you're right. If you don't go through the right channels, essentially, like if you don't know trans people that have found the doctor, you're at risk of going to any doctor that, you know, that isn't on the prescribed list from the community. Which I'm just going to put a plug in now for your LGBT community center is the place to start to find the resources to find the trans doctors or even LGBT or LGB doctors. It's a community for a reason. We talk to one another and that's one of the best parts about having a community and having a community center and having a network, which I kind of want to bring into this where I feel like there, again, it's all about missed opportunities in this book for me. There was a big one talking about the found family because I know in Germany, in Copenhagen, in the artist community, found family and being accepted for who you are was a major part. That was like a thriving part of that world that both the book and the movie just let go completely. And I feel like as a queer person uh, who is very much privileged to pass in almost every every place in the world, having even for me, having a community and a found family is essential to happiness. And so the fact that that aspect is just completely left off. It was just a glaring oversight. It felt like to me. Oh yeah. I mean, there needs to be another, another book in another movie (laughs) because there is such a rich history here that they could have mined and have made such a wonderfully expressive and expansive story about the trans rights the gay rights movement didn't start in america it started in germany and the fucking nazis destroyed it and now what's happening here in america is you know there's a lot of parallels history doesn't repeat itself but it often rhymes and (laughs) and and that's you know that we could connect that and you know the concerns that civil rights activists and leaders are concerned about right now with the Supreme Court and, you know, the people that are currently in charge of our government and what we need to do to not have those things happen again. We're really blessed, you know, to be in California, particularly where there are so many resources for our community, but even, you know, because I'm in the Central Valley and I would have to go three or four hours out of my way, any given direction, pick a direction. And that's how far I would have to go in order to get competent and compassionate care for myself, mm. not just for transgender services, but just regular health care. I'm really grateful that I've been led by my community to find those resources for myself. Like you said, thank you for bringing in the fact that we have the EOC Sanctuary LGBTQ Resource Center, which is literally less than two years old, which I'm so grateful that it exists today. 
because you will not believe people that call or send me emails asking for services for, and I'm talking parents calling for their 10 year olds who they're like, I want to help my child be who they are. And I don't want them to get hurt by shitty, shitty doctors. Where do we go? How do I help my child live their best life? And I'm like, man, if something like this existed when I was 10 years old, like what a different story I would have. Again, you know, coming back around, it is a missed opportunity in, in this book and particularly the movie. God, the movie could have had so much fun with that. They could have brought in just the amazing spectrum of and beauty of a thriving found family culture. They chose to really they hit chose home. to make it about Gerda. <laughs> they made it about Gerda and her pain and and her so- sorrows, which again, if it was named a different book, you know, uh, the the Danish girl's uh, girlfriend or well, wife. I think then- that Gerda is the Danish girl, though. I think. I think in the movie, Gerda's the Danish girl in the movie. They even call her that they, you know, I think that it was the book. I, I have no idea. It should have been called something different. Like, you know, from Pasadena to Dresden here and back again. I don't know. Like (laughs) whatever, when things fall apart. No, that's probably, that was taken. Uh, I, yeah, I, the I think unfinished they're... portrait of Einar. I mean, I don't know. Like there could have, you could have done yeah. a whole painting thing. No, no, no. Like the Danish girl. Yeah. Yep. No. To her credit, it's tragic. Like you, you do feel sad for Greta. Like you feel bad. And it's so frustrating because there is a perception in a lot of spaces, including unfortunately LGBTQ spaces that the trans community are a bunch of drama queens woe is me perpetual victims you know and it's it's very unfair and it it's it's a horrible thing that perpetuates itself right Right. um and to be fair the reasoning behind that is because if you're you're looking at a subset of people who are basically at the bottom of the hierarchical system of the lgbt the t's you know down there at the bottom not because they deserve to be but in power structures that tends to go that way. And there's a lot of anti-trans sentiment in the LGB community, which is Mm -hmm. stupid, but okay. So you have these people and then of course you're, you're fighting for your rights. You're fighting for the, the, your very existence. There's this, the, the idea of passing and not passing you're on hormones. So your body is changing or not changing or, you know, whatever it's doing, however it's doing it, but there's this very real danger for the trans community that is not as dangerous for the LGBs in a lot of ways. So a lot of us can pass. Okay. Right. So at one point, Gerda says to Lily, it's not always about you. And what I heard was a bunch of lesbians and straight mm. people going, oh my God, it's not always about you. <laughs> Which is super unfair and problematic because in that scene, it wasn't about Lily. Like Lily was the one being a fucking bitch and like yeah. <laughs> she needed to be called on that. But because it's now in the words and the language yeah. of of this perpetual hierarchical system, it just it, it reinforces that the trans people are all the victims and the this and the that and blah, blah, blah. And I just I find movies like this super fucking dangerous. 
I, I would argue it's it's also it's 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 really dated in that sense too because we're we're trying to move away from the victimhood aspect that has been a staple for the past I don't know 30 40 years in any sort of trans or even still in uh, the queer genre overall mm-hmm. the movie ends when the queer person dies like that's a lot of our movies um um, and this also which by the way if you want a different example then listen to our pages and popcorn podcast episode about love simon which had a very happy ending okay yes (laughs) very nicely snuck in there very subtle Mm -hmm. like i'm very subtle very subtle um and but uh yeah so i think there's so many things spinning in my in my head right now i'm thinking about the death scene and how shitty that was i'm thinking about your perspective of how calling out this trans person who's just barely figuring shit out and being told to fucking tone themselves down you're making us look bad you need to go to the back and not like be expressive because that makes us all look bad when you're doing this um and and i can argue about the whole issue in like american culture as as a whole but the whole patriarchal system where any sort of expression of femininity is like practically demonic so it has to be only expressed by one type of person and anybody else is evil and dangerous. And and I think that that's in really, really, again, another freaking missed opportunity because Lily was not a Gerda and yeah. Lily's type of femininity and Gerda's type of femininity didn't have to be diametrically opposed where we're being mm. asked to choose between them. Where in the book, we're getting Gerda who's going to go get married to a freaking baron and live <laughs> and like, you know, blah, 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 with all the money and like get her quote unquote happy ending versus, you know, Lily who dies. And then in the movie, we have Gerda who is the long suffering Madonna practically you know what i mean like this saint gerda over here who who just weeps beautifully though she doesn't look bad oh, when yeah. she cries because i mean we that's we, we oh. want pretty women to cry not yeah <laughs> you gotta cry nicely <laughs> ladylike tears it could have done like different kind of femininity and you had you had elements of it but they're they were like opposed to one another because you had lily passing she's got a job at the shop with all the other girls she's pretty happy she's doing her thing she's got a friend in heinrich which in the movie is now he's gay so he's not interested in her in the book like they're gonna get married like you know because he loves her for who she is why couldn't we have had that in the movie why do we have to make heinrich gay no we we could have had someone who totally accepted lily as lily and was like, oh yeah, I know your past, but I don't care. I love the person that you are. That would have been a beautiful story. No, no, no. You know, and then we have Gerda who's like, you can be a painter or a woman. Gerda's kind of trying to do both, but that's not okay. Like they, they're yeah. in opposition. And why? Why do we have to put women against each other? Right. Why? There's no reason. great question. Why are we still doing that? Uh, I, don't know. I think it's stupid. <laughs> why, why, why are we still pitting um, uh, women against each other? This is such a tired trope. I think it went out in like the again in the in the 70s. This feels like this movie could have essentially been done in the 70s because th- it it feels like these tropes are just 
so heavy handed um, and just just it kind of feels choking. And honestly, it does give a bad example. I think any person who goes in there as a as a cis person going and, and maybe trying to, I don't know, expand your mind or the young person who is questioning their gender identity and goes to this movie trying to see, is this like me? Is this person like me? Bad bad examples all around and all around and i'm not a fan i think <laughs> is <No>. the answer <laughs> but now that we've talked about it i really want to have this story done with the happy ending of her going to the hirschfield's institute being like i'm ready i know there's a risk but i'm willing to do this and i have the love by my side in there like <laughs> With the, at the end, oh yeah, she kind of sort of didn't make it at the end. But in this capsule of time, being able to be her authentic self could have been a truly beautiful story. Because when you tell, when you write a book or you make a movie, when you tell a story, you choose what to focus on. Mm -hmm. And nobody, you don't have to tell the whole story. Obviously, no movie is everybody's entire life, right? So it's, it's a choice. And so you were choosing to tell the part where she dies. You're choosing to tell the part, you know, this and that. You're choosing to start it the day that she puts on the stocking for the first time, as opposed to starting it when he was a child. You're choosing to start, you know what I mean? So that's just, it's a lot of choices that I feel are bad. Yes, those were a lot of choices. Like those were a lot of words. And (laughs) I think that's kind of where I end up. I, I would like some more glee. Uh, <laughs> versions uh, <laughs> of transgender stories, uh, non-binary folks uh, in 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 cinema. But what maybe what I'm... a great way to transition into the fact that on our show notes and on our website kmmamedia.com, um, I have a couple of lists of actual good trans stories, <laughs> yay, books and movies that um about the trans experience as well as written just by trans authors that you should be supporting so uh, i have one that was set up by p flag i've got another one that's just a couple of indie author lists and they are will be there for you our lovely listeners to listen so that you can pick a better book so you can make a better choice <laughs> excellent excellent <laughs> we watched this so you don't have to um, so jess why why do you think <laughs> why do you think i picked this book for this month well i know that on the 20th uh it is transgender day of remembrance with the uh trans awareness week uh from the 13th through the 19th Uh, leading up to that day. Transgender Day of Remembrance started in 1998 to commemorate a trans woman who was killed. And it has since become a act of memorializing those who die by anti-trans violence every year. It's usually held with some sort of candle vigil and the reading of names. Unfortunately, every year, that list of names, and we're talking just the year, but it grows every year. There are more names than there were the the year before. I want to see a day where there are less, but we're not there just yet. So the other thing to be very aware of is most of the trans people that are murdered are women of color, usually black. 
the average lifespan of a transgender Black woman is about 34 years old. And with trans men, trans masculine people, the, the cause of death is suicide. Not being able to be ourselves or live our authentic life openly um, for fear of retribution. It is a somber experience, but it is very important to remember these people whose names um, would be forgotten otherwise and to bring awareness to this problem of ignorance and hatred towards our community. Yeah, and I will, of course, link to some of those uh, places online where you can find out more information about Transgender Day of Remembrance, as well as projects like the Trevor Project and suicide hotline numbers. It's a thing. And I think we need to make sure that we're aware of it. I don't know if you remember this. Were you at the TDOR event in 2012? Ella was less than two months old. And that was her very first, like, I, I had taken her to Target once and we'd gotten the mail a bunch of times. And other than that was like, that was the first time she was out in the world. And mm. this child had colic and refused to sleep. And she slept. <laughs> she fell asleep during the month, like strapped to me as I'm oh. right behind Chris and we're yelling with the, you know, the bullhorns and we're rah, rah, rah. And she conked out and slept through the, the whole march and the whole rest of it. I was like, okay, the sound of marching angry people is soothing to you. Good to know. Good to ah, know. The sound of justice. Yes, exactly. Uh, exactly. Don't, yeah. I will sleep well too when I, when I hear that, that delightful sound. Yeah, I don't think that was because I, gosh, I came out I, I 2011. Oh, so, so you, you. 2012, and I didn't really get involved in activism for the transgender community uh, a couple of years in because, like, the first two years, I was deeply conflicted <laughs> with my own figuring out. Like, right. I took for real one whole year of just going back and forth and going, well, maybe I'm not really this, maybe this is this other thing. Maybe I'm, I, you know, because I was like, oh, do I want, is, is this, is this the, the, the road we're going down and being mm -hmm. terrified. And then when I started testosterone in, uh, yeah, I think it was 2012. That's when I was like, oh shit. Yes. Like this, this was the right decision. But then I'm going through second puberty and, <laughs> and I was a total brat and um, <laughs> a little monster. So being a, you know, a 26, 27 year old going through literally a second puberty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. And I know we kind of, I touched on this a little bit, but like when I first started activism, I did not know very much about transgender rights at all. Like it was not on my personal radar. And mm. so it just wasn't a thing in San Jose where I was doing activism and in, in my high school. I'm sure there was like, obviously there were trans people there, but I just wasn't aware because I'm clueless and whatever. But when I first started to meet transgender people and like become aware, this thing I kept hearing was how trans people were super dramatic and blah, 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 right? Like that was like this, this thing I kept getting told, oh my God, there's like drama queens, all this stuff. Then every time I met a trans person and they were like, oh my God, I was like, yep, okay check that I know that they're dramatic because that's what I've been told and now this person is you know whatever mm. and then somebody sound and I don't even remember who said second puberty and like I was like what and then I actually googled it and I was like oh <laughs> 
do you know what I mean? And so then it was like really frustrating when people would be like, oh, you know, they're so victim, blah, blah, blah. And, and I was like, hey, 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 second puberty. I it's know about puberty. this now. <laughs> it's so, a thing. It's legit. And it's it a is. thing. And you have to like accept it as a thing and not see it as like a personality flaw that an entire right. group of people just happen to have. Like, what the hell? Yeah. That's that's a weird mind thing to think, oh, everybody in that group is an a-hole. Like, right. no, there's a-holes <laughs> in every group, but that whole group isn't an a-hole. Like, yes, just yes. a lot of them are going through this very specific thing that you and I dealt with a while back. <laughs> <laughs> Try not to out yourself there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Anyways. Um, you know, it's it, that is a function. That is a part, I think, of it, particularly the beginning. But you know, there is something to be said too, is that you said at the beginning, trans folks are on the bottom of the pile when it comes to those who are oh. accepted in, in American society, in most cultures, unfortunately, in this day and age. And you're dealing with extreme poverty. You're dealing with traumas. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of trauma, undiagnosed, un misunderstood, misunderstood and just not having access to heal um, from trauma. Um, so you have a lot of uh, people that are dealing from, you know, uh, difficult coping mechanisms or uh, things like that. And so there is a large issue, I think, that is just simply unaddressed here, which is healthcare in our country needs to be available to anyone and everyone, no matter what their socioeconomic status is, because I really do think, and this includes mental health. Preach, because, preach, preach. Because I think my community would not be given that shitty label nearly as easily if mm -hmm. we were given the same access to proper healthcare and housing and employment opportunities. I cannot stress that enough. The discrimination in our uh, in the transgender community is absolutely astronomical. Yeah, you have a lot of these really shitty things that are piled on to a very small group of people. Yeah, you're going to have some people that are dealing with it not in a great way. Well, you know? and I, I just feel like that's the thing. It's a lot of shitty things. And then the stigma is attached to it. And it's, it's like, it's a lot of shitty. Can you just acknowledge it's a lot of shitty things, right? Like mm -hmm. you start from that place and then it's, there's a lot more understanding anyway. Yeah, just, right? just, just a small bit of compassion. Like, yeah. I'm not saying don't accept shitty behavior, you know, from anybody. No one is allowed to abuse you no matter what marginalized group they come from. You know, everyone needs to treat each other at least with that very basic beginning of respect mm -hmm. um but you know and they also have to deal with the consequences but these unfair labels of like you said we're dramatic we're crazy mm -hmm. we're uh we clearly and a lot of people still believe that we are mentally deranged uh unfortunately we get it a lot from the queer community um, not just the, the turf yeah. community, unfortunately, extends to the lesbian cisgender community, which I really hate saying that, but most of the- it's Say it, it's true. Yeah, is, no. Yeah. yeah. And, and, it, and it needs to be said, men. and it needs to be called out. Right? So, yeah. <laughs> no, no, say it, say it loud. So, like, yeah. so yeah, I've had, well, anyway, I won't get into that, but- 
Yeah, I it is something that I'm very hyper aware of because that's where I'm at. And honestly, the only reason I'm in a a, sem, a, a comfortable situation is honestly because of privilege. And I recognize that because I'm white and because I'm masculine presenting. So again, with a missed opportunity, the idea of mm. passing versus not passing and like, like that, like in the book, they made a deal about how she wore scarves and stuff to cover up the Adam's apple in the movie. I was like looking for it, but I, I couldn't see it. Um, yeah. Eddie Redmayne's Adam's apple, but like, I'm doing this thing with my head. Of course, nobody can can see it. (laughs) She's like, she's always looking up, you know, like, yes, like Lily is like this. And, and Einar is like this. And I thought like, it was such an interesting anyways. Yes. The idea of passing. And then when she was passing as a shop girl, like that was this moment of joy, like that she could pass. And they were like, Oh, you're so skinny, Lily. And And, like Lily had friends who were, who had only known her as Lily, because I feel like part of what Lily was rejecting with Gerda Greta was that Greta had known her from before. And so to Greta, Lily was always going to be the person who stole Einar away, the person Mm. who killed Einar and not Einar. She was the not Einar. And to all these new people and like Heinrich and everybody else, she was Lily. And I know that that is a thing that happens in the trans community where there's this cutting off point of the before and the after and like the people who only know you after and that's like safer. So, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a choice to. It, yeah, because it's a choice of the people who knew you from whatever point where you trans start, you claim your identity and you have your life before and your life after that point. And it has been my experience that not many people come with you after that transition point. It's why they're, you know, half of, uh, you know, homeless youth are queer identifying. All of these things play a, play a part, which, yeah, I agree. Another and, missed opportunity and to it's talk about that. An interesting thought to think if we can get to a point in our society where we are accepting people younger and they don't have to go through the thing in their teens and in their 20s where then they have to reject the old and start a brand new freaking life at age 26 like if they can start that change and that change isn't even the right word i want if they can start the process of being more authentic when they're younger then maybe you could keep your you know because if you obviously if you're 10 and your parents are supportive your parents are probably going to stay supportive right like so then you get to like keep and what a what a different mental health landscape it will yes. be when yes. people in their 30s and 40s have 30 and 40 years of life as opposed to having 20 and are not still carrying the burden of the 20 years that they can't acknowledge or is too yeah. painful to think about. Yep. It's a privilege yep. that we just get if you're not that. Which there is-, is a really amazing thing that I've been hearing from the younger community, which is especially those who are able to transition early earlier in life, if that's path that they go, that they don't experience dysphoria Hmm. in the same way that those of us who had to transition later in life had to do and accept as part of our journey because they've never had to experience that. They didn't have the first puberty that was went wrong. And now it's talking about what brings on gender euphoria. So that recognition of yourself 
that brings you this joy that lights you up and you recognize yourself in the mirror for the first time and over and over again, gender euphoria. And like, I remember that moment for me, but that's never what's talked about in the circles or even in the medical field. It's always about, that's how you define if you're transgender, quote unquote, or not, is if you experience dysphoria and that's not the case anymore. Now it's euphoria. It's like, yes, that's me. That's me in the mirror. I'm in, this is it. This is, this is what I'm supposed to be. Awesome. I love that so much. I, I cannot wait for coming to a point where more and more people get to have that as their recognition phrase, not the dysphoria, but the euphoria. Love it. So. And the other, the other thing was the uh, idea of, of actual, of surgeries, because mm, correct yes. me if I'm wrong, and maybe you could say it better than me, but you don't have to have surgery to be a valid trans person. Correct. This story in particular does go into like the extremes of the medical part of transition that a lot of trans folks do go through, but that is not the case for everybody. One, you don't have to do everything. Like, and there's also no end point. I think that's 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 a big issue, I think, that um, people seem to think it's like, oh, you have to go through these number total of steps before you can be a woman or a man if you have to transition. It's a lifelong process. And I could argue that for everyone. So I'm sorry, it's a lifelong checklist, like 10 (laughs) 10 things and then you're just done. You get your card and like- I wish. (laughs) And and then I have to hide it and never show it to anyone. So then I can like, yeah. Uh, No, everyone has to kind of come to terms for themselves, what it is that they want and what is going to make their life to be their authentic selves the, you know, the best life possible. And so sometimes that includes some surgeries, but not all the surgeries. Some people, because of, there's also a huge thing of financial issues. A lot of people can't afford financial or any sort of medical transition. So they're still valid though. The minute somebody comes out and says, this is who I am and this is the gender I am, you are valid from that point on. That is like, as far as I'm concerned, that that's it. So it's just an additional part for some people. And I remember, I mean, as a cis person, like getting told that at one point that, you know, not everybody transitions the same ways and not every transition involves surgery. And my mind was like blown. I was like, wait a minute. Like, are you sure? Yeah, no, no. And and he was very clear. He's like, I'm very sure. I don't want to get another surgery. I'm happy the way I am. I have transitioned to the point where I want to be. And I'm just like, oh my God. And like, once you, once you accept, I feel from my personal thought process, once you accept that it's, that, that the process looks different and well, first of all, like it's none of my business where you are in your process, then it, it takes away from the emphasis of what your bits are or are not because Correct. people skip from there's people. And then suddenly there's all, you know, not all women have vaginas and not all men have penises and some women have penises and that, and people get like really bogged down into the bit talk. Right. Boy, and you tell them what <laughs> I feel like if you start a couple steps back and you're like, there's identity and then you get to choose how much you transition. Da, 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 da. So it's not about that. I, I just, I don't know. It's what worked for me as coming to yeah. kind of understand 
in my limited way that I can, you know, what this whole thing is. So we could uh, just to get down into gender like discourse here, because the feminists were right. Gender is a construct, right? Mm-hmm. And it those is some, feminists always yeah, right. Crazy. Those. Yeah. You know, I don't know what the bad rap is about, <laughs> but um, it is something that's built by our society and it's based on what culture has deemed appropriate for these o- only two genders. <laughs> There's no other genders. And so when you are one, a person of autonomy who recognizes your self-worth is beyond these so-called gender rules, these gender roles, you, I think it should be easier than to encompass the idea that those of us who fall into the trans spectrum, that our, our gender is, is something that we identify with. And we express that in the best way that we know how. Whether we fail in your eyes, uh, <laughs> a cisgender person uh, living in a superly rigid uh, gender role society, that's your problem. <laughs> Not the trans person's problem because they're they're expressing themselves exactly the way that they know how. Yeah, it, it's, it's a very touchy topic. I've been on lots of internet fights about it. Um, and I still get a lot of people that get really, really hung up about the genitals. And it's really unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. It's like, to you, is that what you think about when you when you look at somebody like your first thought is like that's their name and i wonder what the, is what their genitals look like like that that and 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 they course go of course not i would never that's awful that that's that's something a weirdo would do and it's just like well that's what you're essentially saying when you say oh a trans person isn't who they say they are and i wouldn't date them i wouldn't have intimate uh, relationship with them allow them in the bathroom i wouldn't allow them to have their own private functions in you know (laughs) but people still they they it's just so ingrained in folks it's something we have a lot of work to do for sure like a genital obsessed culture for sure so obsessed (laughs) so jess Yes. Kelly. I mean, I guess I never even said the word theme. There was a theme about secrets in the book. Mm. It was really big. Greta kept a lot of secrets from Einar. She freaking was an heiress that Einar didn't know about. She yeah. owned their <laughs> building, but let him go pay rent every month because it was better for his cons. I, dude, uh, not great. Okay. Yeah, not yeah. Great. That was. <laughs> um, there's lots of lying. Okay, so there's like the themes, and you could almost say like double self. So we have Gerda as her like her past self, her present self. She can't quite connect the two. Herself as a wife, she loved Teddy. She burnt his place down. I. It's very confusing. Like Gerda, <laughs> dude. I, again, this author does not know what they're doing. Yes. There was the themes, obviously, the, the historical themes, the, the transgender theme, the what is a real woman theme. I think we've kind of touched on that a whole bunch. We've done a lot of touching. Yeah, of lot, lots of touching. It's Very... all consensual. It's all good. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm ready to sum up. Are you ready to sum up? <laughs> I, I think so. I, I have no more secrets to unburden to you uh, <laughs> on this topic. <laughs> So Jess, was this book, was this movie worth your time? Was it worth my time? That's a very, very uh, good question. I'm 
Would you recommend it to a friend? Oh, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, because I think it's, again, this is what, if I was, it'd be like, this is a really great example of what um, cisgender people think being a trans person is like. And then you need to go talk to uh, a, an actual trans person or check out uh, Kalia's list on her uh, website with actual good stories about transgender people and their experiences. But yeah, no, I I was really, especially the second time around after the ooh excitement of a trans character in the movie wore off five years later, I just see a lot of unfortunate and really problematic uh, representations. And yeah, not even the prettiness of like the actual film, like the cinematography wasn't even that, you know, there's nothing there, nothing there to, I think to really save it. Okay. I will give, this is, I, I basically agree with you, but I'm going to agree with you with a lot of words. So, okay. Um, yeah. So <laughs> the, the premise is intriguing and interesting from a historical standpoint. Who was the first person? How did they find the tools and the language to exist in a world that didn't have those ready for them, where there wasn't Google or a community? Uh, so maybe if the novel had been by a trans person or a person with closer ties to the trans community, it wouldn't have been so problematic and off. The combination of Greta being so important and the book not knowing if it was about Einar or if it was about marriage or if it was about love or if it was about gender, it hurts everything. Yeah, it has lovely language. Yes, it has poetic lines. But at the end of the day, it isn't helpful to the trans community. And it isn't satisfying as a historical piece. And it leaves me unsure what the point was. I do, however, want to read Lily's journals, which is hard to get yes. attached. Okay. Yes. Where's the love story? Whose love story was it? Kind of feel like it was Teddy's. Okay. <laughs> um, there you go. <laughs> the movie, the movie told a better story about the roller coaster ride for Greta. It was all about Greta still. Neither told the story of Lily. The movie was better in that it was shorter and we saw Greta's sadness because in the book we nearly didn't see it, which made it kind of weird to mm. again. But again, maybe it wasn't there because we don't know because none of it was real. Um, yeah. <laughs> the book had some lovely the book had some lovely passages. It was just way too long and too much Greta and it really felt like a struggle for the author. It was his first novel. Mm. I'm glad he kept writing in that I really liked The 19th Wife. <laughs> Although gotcha. now I'm really worried. <laughs> and I'm a little scared to reread it. <laughs> but it was about Mormonism. Um, anyways. Oh, so interesting. Thank you, by the way, for continuing to bring attention to this, this time of year. And I, to our ancestors, to, huh. to Lily. To uh, Lily. To I, the real Lily. The, to the thank you. Yes. Authentic Lily. Yes. Yes. Who, who, whose journals deserve to be read and who deserved so much more than, than this. I just, everyone's going to be doing whatever you're going to do for Thanksgiving, um, whether you're with your family or not, but I invite you wherever you are in the, in whatever umbrella rainbow or otherwise you exist in to take a moment on Thanksgiving to, to be thankful for the privileges that you have and that there are people like, like Lily, that, that Lily existed and that we can, we can move forward because of people like her and because of people like the doctor who, you, you know, you said the, the work that is happening, that somebody decided that this was important enough to study and then to, to do, and not to just say, it's not my problem. I don't, I don't care. That's the key. 
Okay, I'm going to cry again, so I'm going to stop. Yes. Um, okay, so Jess, thank you so Content much for warning. being here. Waterworks, Waterworks in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> thank oh, you so awesome. much for being here. I really appreciate it. This was great. This was fun. Yay. Yes. I I, I mean, fun being, a, you know. What yeah, I mean. <laughs> no. I, are you kidding? Analysis and critique? Girl, you, you had my number. You had my number. <laughs> And I think you're going to come back and do Rebecca with me, right? We we talked about Please. that. Please. Yes. Oh my okay. goodness. I I we've been watching. I've read the book. I've been I am I it's, have notes. It's girl. over there <laughs> on my table. I am ready too. Yeah, so yes. okay, I'm thinking in the spring. Jess will be back for that. And Jess, do you have a social media platform or um, any projects that you want to promote or a uh, way for people to get in touch with you? Um, and also, if, you, if you're comfortable, and I think you are, tell the people where you work. Sure. Um, so I, I work at Fresno EOC's Sanctuary LGBTQ Resource Center in Fresno, California. Yes, that is a mouthful. Um, we just call it the Resource Center. <laughs> and currently, even though we're not open uh, to the public because of COVID, we do provide uh, Zoom support groups for youth anyone under 17, adults, anyone over 18, and the transgender community. Also, we respond to emails. Uh, We do have an Instagram uh, and Facebook and Twitter presence. I will share that with Kalia. But if you want to get a hold of me because you need help, resources, um, you have questions, you have concerns about these topics, you can reach me at LGBTQ at fresno.eoc.org. And I will put all the links and all the things in the show notes and on our social media. You did it. Yay, us. Okay, I think we're done, finally. Um, <laughs> and I hardly uh, looked at my notes at all. <laughs> I mean, there's just so much. There was just so much in that. I, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Basically, a lot of my notes are, girl, <laughs> no, bad. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I had a lot of notes and it was just like, how do we even begin? Like, I, I still, you know, I love what we did, which was basically rant. Yeah. Um, and, and. <laughs> And that's my favorite medium uh, when it comes to analysis and critique. So um, Matthew was like, you know, every year around this time, you do like a sad episode, you do a sad episode. Because like last year, Chris and I did, um, and the band played on for World AIDS Day. And Ooh. I was dude, yes. Dude, yes. <laughs> that, that is the thing. That book is this big. It is yeah. huge. And then the HBO <laughs> movie. Okay. Right, right. So right. I was like, okay, so we're doing this this year. I'm like, what's next year? I don't know. God, I don't even <laughs> want to know. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> but it's like an emotional roller coaster because October is all scary shit, right? So there's like Calamityville Whore and Psycho and like all these like scary things that I don't like. And then, yeah. and then plunge right into like this thing that made me very mad and um and sad also I kept being like I don't want to watch the last 10 minutes of this movie I just don't like it literally sat here for almost 48 hours until my rental was gonna expire and I was like I guess I have to watch that because <laughs> I, I, I don't want to pay for it a second time like, uh, yeah 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 you know uh if if there ever comes a time and well it's still kind of a sad movie, but it does end on a good note. If they ever 
make a movie for Stone Butch Blues, mm. you better have my name on that list yes. because it's it's a very important book to me and they better not fuck it up. Oh, so, yeah, no, no. <laughs> so I, I, that's 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 Jess's personal recommendation that'll go on my list of yes. books to read. Okay. Yes, got it. Oh my gosh, yes, got it. 